Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Today on the AB Testing Podcast, Brent will eat food. Hey everyone, I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And Brent is eating and crinkling already. It's good, yep. good fun. I, Alan will pay $5 to the first of the three that can guess what I'm eating today. It's a new segment on the A-B testing podcast. <laughs> is this like what's in my pocket? <laughs> it's, it's like that, but the audio version of it. Oh, my God. I think it's episode 138, still season one. Because we yeah. don't do seasons, because that's a thing that other podcasts do, and we're not like other podcasts. It, our season never ends. It does. A lot of things never end. Kind of like the pandemic. Yeah. I uh, oh, real quick rant. I didn't post this. I last weekend I got excited. I logged into one of the. Lo- I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. A local hospital and got an appointment set up for May second to get my first shot. And I got an email back the next day saying, hey, we made a mistake. None of those slots are actually available. You're out of luck. Yeah. And then then there was rage. And apparently people, other people must have raged more than I did. Because then the next day, I got another email saying, uh, hey, we're going to call you and reschedule those things. So you don't hate us as much. That was the good news. And then they called today. But uh, I was out on a hike and my phone dropped right after I picked it up and they didn't call back. And I don't know if that lost my place on the list or what. So right now I have no appointment to get a vaccine, but I'm hoping I do someday. Um, I am in a similar place, although um, are you are you currently picky? Uh, not yet. I, I was excited because I you I think it was you that told me Moderna is the is the best one. In your opinion? Uh, actually, if I did tell you that, I am now reversing that because I literally, I now have a whole bunch of friends who are going through shot number two. And literally 100% of them are reporting life is hell after shot two. I heard that from uh, the teams of, uh, fo- the teams of my folk, the folks on my team who had Pfizer as well. Yeah. It could just be um, a thing. It could just be... Uh, crawl under the covers and suffer till for the day or so till it's over. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm currently favoring Pfizer. Okay, I'm uh, gonna take what I can get. That's my plan. Yeah the 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 J and J one is probably the one I'm least likely. All right, then. So we have a podcast today. We got stuff to talk about, um, and we should probably get going. I don't know. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about? Uh, stuff. Okay. I got stuff to talk yeah. about. <laughs> Newest one. I might not even have five for Friday this, but I mentioned it to you as we we're logging in today. I have a brand new MacBook. My last one, um, it still works, but I just wanted to get the battery replaced. And they won't do it's out of warranty. So it says just you're you're due for a refresh anyway, because your computer is four years old. So I got a new MacBook M1. It is lickety split fast and I've never heard the fans turn on yet. I can't make it work hard enough to actually try and spin up fans. So I need to this weekend try and do something a little bit more strenuous to it. 
start uh, Advent for coding early. Maybe, maybe. Those yeah. things don't, unless you do the brute force solution, those things don't really compute a lot. But anyway, I, I like it so far. Uh, totally irrelevant to the podcast. Uh, I'm in the... I'm in the market for a new laptop. Piece of crap laptops that I've been using. Like I think, I think my laptop now is at eight years old. You know, you work for a company with a lot of money. They'll probably get you a new one. Yeah, uh, the issue is I need. I'm picky now on which one. The so it's eight years old. Like I can plug it in, it still works as long as I don't like. It's now got like 15 minutes of battery, even on the full charge. All right for the listeners at home, Brent uh, actually slid his chair back, opened his laptop bag, got his laptop out. He opened it. He like he, they flipped it around, looked at the bottom a little bit, looked at the top, opened it up, and now he's typing a letter from his laptop. No, I'm not because the battery's already dead. All right. Um, the the battery life lasts just a little long i'm trying just trying to find on here when i got the damn thing i don't see a date anywhere oh there's one uh i believe that says 2014. all right damn (laughs) yeah anyway the issue so much for me it isn't it's the screen size now it's it's in order because i'm old and um, it's essentially when I blow up the screen so I can actually read what it's saying, I now have essentially two inches of real estate and therefore I can't do anything with the stupid thing. So I actually went with, I, this topic is not very exciting, but I went with a smaller computer this time. Uh, I had a choice of getting a 16 inch MacBook or a 13 inch MacBook with the, the new MacBook. And I went 13 because there will be a world at the end of this where I will go back to traveling often and it is impossible to open a 16-inch laptop on an airplane. So I, I, I thought mm. ahead with a smaller one. Okay, so... All right, then. All right, let's 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 get on with the podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm still Alan. I'm oh, Brent. Wait, we did that part. I um, I mentioned I did a teaser on one of the three dot slack.com, which you can join. Just go to moderntesting.org and find the link. And there are several of the three there. In fact, if you count up all the three, there's only only ever three listeners. They take turns listening, but we have 633 members of our one of the three dot com, one of the three dot slack dot com Slack community. You're welcome to join that. And yesterday, I teased a little bit because yesterday or the day before was the exact two year anniversary of me joining the organization that I'm in. The biannual Alan Changes Jobs event. It is, it is. And and Brent is teasing about this, and I always tell him, no, no, no. But then it always happens. And in this case, <laughs> though, it's not as dramatic as the other ones. Uh, what has happened is my org uh, largely supports the division that I'm in because the division that I'm in, well, my org does internet infrastructure, cloud, CDN, uh, CICD, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You name a tool used in deployment infrastructure is probably supported by my team. While our largest customer is the division we're in, we do work company-wide, which has been fine. Unity is very flat. We don't have a lot of hierarchy. It makes it easy to do. However, 
that was out of convenience and it was out of convenience of my management chain to fund that uh, central org within their org. But recently unity has formed a org, especially for central stuff like this. There's a labs group there and labs is like a lot like Microsoft research, much smaller scale. There are uh, a similar team to mine supporting a lot of the desktop developers. And we tend to overlap and not optimize as well as we should being in different orgs and some other things that I won't go into, but uh, we, I'm just, it's just a drag and drop reorg. I, my, and my org are being drug over to another part of unity with a new manager. Well, we will continue with our mission, but also uh, work on, there's a couple other things we're doing there. One is just keep doing what we're doing. Two is to fix that alignment or not, I shouldn't say fix, it's not broken. It's to increase the collaboration between our team and the other team at Unity who have similar goals for different developers. And also to bring our culture with us. Uh, we have a reputation for the way we work with uh, things we've talked about here. Uh, transparency, mm -hmm. accountability, collaboration, psychological safety, all that stuff. Uh, we're going to bring all that with us and shove it down their throat. No, we're going to. <laughs> <laughs> but safely. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be fun. That's effective Monday. Just wrapping all that stuff up. By the time this hits, it'll all, it'll all be announced across the company. And I didn't, I don't think I, I revealed any trade secrets. Just a, just a drag and drop e -e. reorg. Gives me a little different perspective. So it, ca it counts as my migration because I have different people I'm working with, even though I'm generally doing many of the same things. Um, doesn't feel like, unlike the last few, it doesn't feel like you're anxious in any way, shape or form, but what, 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 um, in terms of your team's missions, oh, this would be a good opportunity to load up the unity three questions if I could, uh, which I can't, our, uh, mi our, our mission doesn't change. <laughs> Where do you see an advantage for you executing your mission, your mission? Uh, and where do you see a disadvantage? Well, I think it's obvious. This is good questions. Nice interviewing, Brent. The Thank advantage you. is working from a central organization will increase discoverability from the other parts of Unity that we that we work with, but sort of ad hoc. Uh, it makes it a little easier for them to discover. Okay, this central org has the has is the place for us to go ask questions. The disadvantage, of course, is any time that the team you work with the most. Uh, we're being not in the same org as them. Uh, there's always a little bit of a fear or a challenge there. But again, we are transparent and flat enough. I don't think it'll make a difference, but uh, it would be silly of me not to at least consider that it could be an issue. But I'm not worried. I mean, your culture is different than here. So that's what's going on with me. Not the, not a big change. Sorry for the uh, cliffhanger in Slack and then the not that exciting of a change, but we'll hear more stories because we get to work with different people. A whole different set of folks get to be my peers, or uh, as I should say, a whole different set of people have to suffer through my questioning and uh, uh, discernment. Interrogation. Discernment. Oh, and discernment. Sorry. All right, yeah. so um, that is what's going on with me. I actually have a question for, actually have two topics for today. Uh, okay. Would you like to start with data or test automation? Oh, I want to start with uh, uh, 
automated checking for sure. I would like to start by punching you in the throat. <laughs> so, a uh, little bit of a soapbox leading to a question. Uh, you've all heard me see say and discuss and write about that developers should be doing the vast majority of the testing, testing, and that they're definitely the best suited. Not only can they test, they're the best, definitely the best suited for test automation. Also realize, well, before I even get there, I will repeat a rant from uh, maybe it was the last episode. More and more, I'm thinking that nobody should be writing any web automation. Given, given how many of those tests it should be writing, not very many, and given the massive improvements in reliability in the just recorded tests, and there was a time when we hated those, but for the web stuff with the AI they have in there, it can detect changes and the massive amount saved and the fact that your well handcrafted tests are going to be flaky anyway, because, because reasons I would just have everyone use Audify, Mabel, test them, test project, whatever, something that lets you quickly create some tests for the main things you need to check in the, in the web, web UI, but that's not the rant I want to get on. It's not my question for you. Uh, the question right. is. Despite the little bubble I live in where developers do write tests, many testers, checkers, no testers, insist that the majority of the industry doesn't and can't work that way and that just because of the way things are and because changing things is, is harder that they have to write the automation. So... Um, so despite all that, okay, that, that isn't even my question yet. My question okay, is, I'm good. going somewhere. I forgot where it was a couple times, but I'll get there. Uh, okay. Let me just ask you this. So if I'm a tester, I know you don't talk to any testers, but if I'm a tester on your team and I say to you, I would like to get into automation because that's what they say on the internet. They say, I'm a manual tester and I want to get into automation. And I facepalm twice. But if I say that to you, and I'm a manual tester and I want to get into automation. What do you tell me? I, I, I'm like, what the hell have you been doing? What do you mean you're an automated tester? No, I said, I'm a manual tester. <laughs> I want to get into automation. No, no, but you, you, I, I feebly responded because I'm like... Uh, the idea of a manual tester and on my team are contradictory. Okay, all right, all right. So you didn't play the part as I wished. Oh, we should do, we need a follow up to the uh, modern testing manager versus traditional test manager where we talk about automation or something like that. It'll be fun. Uh, didn't plan ahead well enough on that, but. No, that would be a good idea though. I am thinking more and more and more that the answer, like I'm drinking some tea right now. I usually have some water here, but I think the answer to any injury or ailment is to drink more water. If you if you feel horrible after the second Moderna shot, just drink water. You'll be fine. Break a leg, drink more water. You'll be fine. Uh, but for the automate, for any problems in testing and quality, my answer is getting to be more and more again and again, time after time, pair with the developer. I, I, I was actually going along those same lines. I was thinking, you know what? Uh, let's find a bug for you to go fix or something something that's a lightweight coding exercise. But I, but I need to automate the UI, man. That's, that's, that's what the cool kids do. In this case, also, I, 
is also a broken problem where these people writing web automation, they're automating a bunch of BS. I'm going to automate these user scenarios because I can. So I wonder if, imagine like today, we don't imagine this today when someone wants to get into automation, they take a class or they, there's no books. They read some blogs. They watch a whole bunch of crap about Selenium. I don't think that's right because then they end up automating like these, they don't automate the right things. They're, they don't know how to design automated tests. I don't know what to automate. If you go talk to the dev and you say, hey, I want to get into automation. And inside this says, great, what do you want to automate? And they say, I want to make sure that I can put things in the shopping cart and check out, blah, 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 and do it in all these permutations. That's great. But we can do all that at the logic layer or just having that conversation with the person who actually knows how it's implemented. And some people are going to say, but Alan, but Mr. Weasel, when when the developer, they, they, they can't think about testing. They only care about the code and not the customer. And I bullshit and crap. Uh, and I, if that accent offended anybody, I meant that to be uh, just uh, me as a young, young tester. So uh, I did not mean to um, incite that anybody that actually sounds like that person I just made was anyone other but me. My, 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 I wish my middle son were here. He has mastered the art of the, the, the know-it-all bratty kid with. Tum- yeah. That's so the the point is, I think if you have a discussion uh, and when you get over the fact that developers aren't going to be skewed or tainted by the fact they know how it works, you'll actually have a discussion on what the right things are to test and what the right things are to automate. It goes back to the anger weasel tautology of you should automate 100% of all the tests that should be automated. A lot of people today, especially in this web UI automation world, are automating stuff that shouldn't be automated. Yeah, actually, I want to go back to a basic question. Yes. Like, if you're a manual tester. Somebody right now is going, there's no such thing as manual testing. Do you call it manual programming? But anyway, go on. No one's. We're we're, we're using the term to differentiate between uh, people who are creating test automation. So it's fine. No, no. So you have a manual tester. And and no one would say it's there's no such thing. I do think there's oh, a large no. number of people would say it's redundant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, like for me, why is it that they're saying I want to get into automation versus saying I want to get into coding through automation? Like that. That to me is the thing that I think is the important sort of perspective like i don't care like automation as you just called out um from a testing standpoint like we got to accelerate that's that absolutely tells the businesses your team your software company is going to have a stronger performance when your devs own the automation that is true. That is true. Yep. I, I don't think, and again, most of these people don't read books like Accelerate. They don't read books. They don't want to program. They just want to make sure. Remember, we started A-B testing way back when to help people transition as, as jobs are changing. These people, for the most part, want to get into automation because they're worried their job will go away if they don't. 
And what this, in my opinion, what happens because of this is a bunch of people learn to crappily use some crappy tools to create some crappy automation. And I want that to stop. Well, yeah, I don't have any data that says to what degree that happens. I know that it does happen because I've, I've had to manage several of those transitions and it's a, it's a, journey, but it's one that doubles down on things that I just don't agree with anymore. Right. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it's so if a, if a manual tester on my team came to me and said, Hey, I want to do that. My first question is going to be why, 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 why are you doubling down on harming your career? If that's where you want to go, you need to go in a different direction. Yeah. And and for our world and for and actually and as you and I see uh, the bubble that we live in is getting bigger and bigger and in fact huger and huger. That's ac- what you're doing is actually yes, it's true in more and more of the world. And you're right. My answer would be well, if I had I would never have I mean I may have a tester. But they would never want to get into automation because they'd understand that automation is the developer's job. So this can't happen in our world, but in a world where a tester asks you this, yeah, I think getting into motivation and understanding why is really important, but if they just want to do it and learn more about it, the paths that we give people today, the paths that we give people today who want to get into automation are the wrong ones because they, they lead them down a path which is not productive for their career, I think. Yeah. No. So what I, th- I want, because they don't design good tests, they don't use the power of the computer to make uh, some aspects of testing easier, et cetera. They just want to automate a bunch of clicky, clicky, clicky user tasks and ask trivia questions about XPath that I see on LinkedIn all the time. I think by talking to the developer, how should we test this? Because the tester, they're going to have, and despite the fact that the arguments people have with me when I said developers could test, uh, the expertise of the tester is if they're a dedicated testing specialist, they're going to have better testing ideas for a lot of things. So talk about all those ideas with the person who should be writing the automation in the first place. And maybe they'll take you under their wing and have you write some of the more simpler ones to start or pair a program with them and get an idea of how to write test automation from someone who understands code design and test design, automated test design probably far better than you do. That is a much better path to long-term success for your career than reading a bunch of blogs on Selenium and getting excited because you can make some archaic stuff, click a button on a screen. Again, it comes back to their motivation. If their motivation is saving their career, then then I would absolutely guide them in an entirely different direction. Right? It, it's it's I'm like, yeah, that's obviously if they're coming to me, right? If they want to go to let's say one of the other thought leaders in this space uh, that has a polar opposite opinion, it, um, right? Maybe that's the answer. I send them to there because look. Uh, I can't, from where I'm coming from, I can't even see you from, from, from where I'm at. Right. I, that's, that's now an entirely foreign idea to me. And to me, it's harmful, but um, the, but if that's their motivation, then their motivation, my answer would be to redirect it to something that I felt was far more productive. Right. Uh, the, if their, uh, their other motivation might be to, 
hey, we're lacking coverage and uh, I want to, I want to, you know, accelerate the coverage. Hey, I'm supportive of that, right? That that would be, again, what you're saying is, hey, pair program with the developer who should be the one accountable for that automation, work through their template and, and, and learn from that as you add additional coverage, right? Um, but also throw in, right, uh, the, the, the developer should not be allowing coverage into their suite unreviewed and, and do put them through at least the, the code review and, and uh, those other sort of processes. So that person gets familiarity with how code is produced. Design constructs uh, that might pop out of that, right? Um, uh, it might not. Uh, I would hope it did, but it, in a way that didn't, blow the person's mind i don't know i just typed into DuckDuckGo. i'll i'll you won't hear me type in the edited version but i typed in literally i'm a manual tester and i want to get into automation so let me lead you read you a few of the uh i'm not going to go into the pages just the part that shows up in the search page um many manual testers wish to land an automation job with qualifications of manual testing the process of learning coding is tedious and for a person working as a manual tester for so long this means going back to square one never another one it requires dedication hard work motivation lots of time and money to train for a test automation job you do not start with the test automation library such as selenium no you start with something Considering the market situation, many manual testers are now becoming more interested in test automation. Some want to expand their skills by including programming, test automation framework in their testing toolbox. Others are contemplating switching direction completely. It, it goes on. I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's making me sad. So the, the point there is, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think is I mean, that, is one, the, you, you want to get motivation. Is Go the ahead. point there that our, our bubble is still too small or, I mean, I don't. Well, I, I acknowledge I live in a bubble on this on this front. Uh, we both do. I think the more we talk to people, the more I find out our bubble is bigger than we think it is sometimes, maybe or at least I think it is because a lot of people go, oh, yeah, we already do that. Given these answers and given some of the folks who double down and freak out when we do make some of our uh, what are outlet, what are not outlandish points, uh, there are people out there where this is this is a. The, a thing they do. And I think the thing they should do when they want to get into automation is for whatever reason, this is the part that drives me crazy. They think I want to get into test automation. So I'm going to learn how to click around a web page with this shiny new framework. I think that's the wrong place to start. And I think I could just, you want to think about test design. You want to make, you want to do this And I've done, I've, I've talked about that before long in the past, how to think about test design. I've given talks on test design that help you think like which tests should be automated and not, and what you can use the power of the computer for. But I'm tired of doing that. It's not what I do anymore. I'd rather just, I, I think some good generic devices if you want to get into automation or get into programming, go talk to the developers on your team, find opportunities to pair with them on bug fixing or automation ideas, etc. And if, if, if it comes back that every single, absolutely no developers on the team want to work with you on that. Well, one, I hope that's not the case, but two, it's a different problem then it's a different problem. Exactly. Yeah. 
And as you know, there's, there's part of this bubble is I listened to, and I, I ranted a little bit about this on, on our Slack group, but I listened to a panel of people who do exploratory testing and which I have nothing against exploratory testing. Although once I, I made a joke about whether I could use the word exploratory testing if I wasn't in the special club. This was 15 years ago when a certain group of people on the internet were talking about it a lot and correcting people if they didn't use it right. And one of them wrote me an email just bitching the hell out of me for for referring to it that way. And like, there's no club, you're just being a jerk. And well, there is a club and I was being a jerk. The folks on this panel talking about exploratory testing, their ideas around ET were all fine. Uh, but the scenarios they described on why it was valuable for them are right out of 1992. They get a new, they're, they're excited because they get a new build from a development team they never see. And they and with no instructions and no notes, and they get to figure out how it works and give them feedback. And well, I guess maybe that could have been fun for me one time in my career. That sounds like a living hell to me today. Yeah, yeah, uh, completely hell. Uh, the yeah, I don't know what else to add to that one. The yeah, and, and, <laughs> and in fact, I will. One other rant, when we get back to the other question here, because we only have like 15, 18 minutes left, is. Some people on the other side of the bubble, like, again, I'll go back to the one that really triggered people. I talked about developers being able to do testing. Still see posts, people saying, well, I'm in the developer's mindset. I have to shift gears and change in order to find, to critique my own work. And yeah, I get that. But what is missing from a lot of these stories is that creating good software is a highly collaborative process. And yeah, it is a little harder maybe to do your own testing when you're just by yourself. But if you're making something by yourself, you're probably not, probably don't have a lot of customers. I, uh, when you're trying to do something significant, it's a collaborative process. And that collaboration is uh, where you get the benefit from. There's so much in what you said. I want to, I want to just go on a rant on right. The very first statement is I have to shift to the 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 tester mindset to move forward that to me like why is it phrased that way when i sit down to write a new chunk of code okay i i go through uh the tdd process and i say okay now before i begin it, it's it to me it's more like a St stephen covey have you read, ever read stephen covey oh yeah Okay. Begin with the end in mind. What is the end? How can I sit down before I even get colored by how the code was written and be, you know, no, uh, I run the risk of not being able to discern the forest from the trees, uh, according to this, um, this theory is, is okay. Well, how do I know if I got there? What's the sunny day scenarios? What's the rainy day scenarios? What are the tests that I'm going to to write up first, uh, and then I'm going to write my code to to the point where they pass those tests? Okay, I can get a long ways there. Will I forget about things? Will I neglect something on my own? Damn straight. But that's not because I'm in a developer versus tester mindset. I know, I know. that that whole thing is 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 
bull. And we've, I think our listeners get that. I don't want to go too far in the echo chamber, but no, no. it's still out there. I wanted to mention it. Did you want to rant some more? No, no. So in this one, I, I'm just like, how much of this of this point of view is being solidified because the the language choice and and how they're presenting it in the first place is just bullshit. It's like to me, uh, actually, you represent this all the time on the podcast, so and you you go, hey. Here's a problem. Here's my definition of done. This is how far I've gotten. Brent, do you have any, I, any, any additional thoughts on this? Like you've probably done it five or six times on this oh, yeah. podcast. It, it's like, no, it, it's, it's the value of collaborating and recognizing, and maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's my problem with specialists in some of this regards. Like you and I have encountered this in the in the old school days. Like there were teams when I was a test manager that I would go talk to the dev lead and he would just say, all right, if we have a bug, it's test fault because my devs are, are five-star devs, just ask them. Right. And it, it, there's this sort of specialization ego that gets involved. And, and, and I'm wondering now, because I am very much a generalizing specialist or a specializing generalist, one of those things now. And I'm wondering, am I a lot more collaborative now? Because I no longer even pretend to believe that I friggin' know everything. Right? I'm not trying to know everything. I'm trying to accomplish a goal. And I know a, quite a bit about it, but I also know the things I don't know. And you know what? I'm going to go ask Alan what his thoughts are on this topic is, or I'm going to go ask um, Sally what her thoughts are on this one, because we're better together. Yep. Whole, whole team quality, baby. Yeah. Uh, maybe you saw this. I saw this on LinkedIn. Someone was, was ranting against whole team quality. Oh, I saw that, and then I, saw, I, I have. Do you have whole team design? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Do you have whole team performance? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was uh, awkwardly. It was just awkward to watch. It was. It was. It was a little cringy. Okay. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. Different subject. Different yeah. subject. You promised me something uh, about data. I did. I did because I ran into an interesting question recently, which again, it comes down to framing. And the question you and I often ask a lot, a lot of people do is, okay, what's the outcome you want? Imagine you had this, what are you going to do? The question, what was, what was the actual question? Uh, Hey, Alan, do you have any tips for us? We want to build a data org. Okay. Okay. What do you want to do? And I said, well, we want to be able to make uh, data-driven decisions about our business. Oh, <laughs> uh, you just you just immediately changed it to shit I deal with all of the time. Okay, so what I want to know is, because I'm here today for advice, because the answer I gave him was, that I need to think about this a little bit more. If you can give me some more context, I'll get back to you, hoping I could just chat to you about this. Uh, about this. So the stage I got them in, they, they asked me those questions literally. That's what they want to do. They want to be more data-driven, and building a data org is the answer they decided on. And right now, the, this team is trying to understand, okay, what will this data org do? What questions will they help us answer? And I feel like 
I can't put a finger on it, but I feel like they're starting at the wrong end of the question. Um, yeah, I was going to say, uh, the, just with the questions that you asked me, uh, that is absolutely uh, a sign of the tail wagging the dog. Right. Yeah, I uh, felt that way. I'm uh, checking with you. So, so what do you do? Imagine this came to you. Like, what are the questions oh, you ask to get the ta- to get the to get to the front of the dog? A better metaphor is the underwear gnomes, right? Uh, on this one, <laughs> right? We got data. We're we're missing step two, but once we find finish that up, massive profit. Yeah. The okay. So. The first thing they have to unwind is what is a data culture. And hold on a second. I just rolled over my goddamn headphones. Um, <laughs> um, the, I can imagine. I got to pause for a second here. Let me come back. Is, uh, I got to imagine. It's like Brent's on a rolly chair rolling around. I've been sitting on a ball the last month or two, so I can bounce. All right, go on. To tell me tell me what, what to tell this team. Um they want to improve the, the, the data culture of the orc. Okay. Correct. So what is, so in my mind, I would say, okay, what are the principles that are going to define that? And uh, again, what are the actions? Cause improving like even improving the data culture of the org, that is a, like I did that presentation. It's yep, basic, yep. right? It's essentially how do we transform, right? And it's essentially what you're trying to do is make quantification a stronger influence than intuition on decision making. Sure. Right? So that, like, the first thing I would say is they have so much to learn before they would even begin doing that. Like it, it, if someone came to me, I would, with that question, Alan, I would immediately go and say, uh, this needs to stop. Like, um, but all right, the, the well, you can't say this needs to stop. They have a, they have the right desire in place. Let's go back to the beginning. Right. They, they want to be more data driven. They want to quantify over intuition. Those are all good things. We want those things. So I can't just tell them to go away. I think they're solving that, that they, they define their end state. We always have current state. We don't have, we were data oblivious desired state. Want to be data driven. Uh, what are the next, what are the right next steps for a team like that? So begin with the end of mind, you know, what is the single most important And you want me to wind this to the head count. So you're going to need like from this, you're going to need a lot of PMs. You're going to need uh, a lot of data engineers. You're going to need developers to buy off on um, telemetry. Am I not going in the right direction? I, I think so. I, a little bit. Something I've noticed for years and years and years, even going back to my time at Microsoft in the early days of data science. Some of you may recall, I actually briefly led one of Microsoft's first data science engineering teams, data science teams. When I worked for Chris on the stupid, the stupid thing, I ended up giving that. I ended up hiring uh, uh, Gigi and giving him and giving him that role. Oh, right. But I, I did it to hold to hold things down. But there was an idea, and I see this notion. I, I hear it a little bit between the lines from this team, and I've seen it before where teams think. Okay, we'll just get a bunch of data and then we'll get a data scientist and they'll just make cool things happen in there. Magic magic will happen. 
when when someone comes to me along these lines, it's it's essentially a belief that all we need to do is hire a bunch of dead engineers. It's essentially build it and they will come. Okay. And right. that's when you came to me, that's what raised in my mind. Oh my God, this is a build and they will come exercise. Yeah. I think they're starting with what are the que- well, like what are the questions we can answer with data? We'll make a big list of those and then we'll hire a team to go make sure we can answer them, which seems it doesn't, it, it I know it's wrong. What's the alternative? What, what I I can't just tell them I don't think this is wrong. Don't do it this way. Because then the next question is, no, you, well, so how should we do it? You got to do you got to do a journey, right? The 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 first thing everybody wants is, uh, I, and I don't know what Unity uses, but um, first thing everybody wants is their pretty little dashboards, right? So it's it's having the dashboards there gives proof that the data is there. Right. Um, and, but it doesn't advance the data culture per se. It creates a new bottlenecking team. You'll end up having, uh, you know, five, depending on the size of the team, five or six vendor uh, Power BI developers. Then you'll end up having your unfair share of data engineers uh, who are spending 50% of their time. I call it data herding. It's sort of data, the, the data version of cat herding. It, it's essentially uh, going through and figuring out where the hell the data is, because of course yeah. there's no, there's no um, formal data engineering structure in play. Like the first thing I would, I would hire would be a a business analyst who would come in and and, oh, absolutely. and yeah. figure out what are the actual important business questions to answer. Yeah, I would almost start that way, just hiring a business analyst, biz, biz dev kind of person to figure out figure out those questions because they're going to know better. They're going to know better what they want to solve. So, but the thing to keep in mind here also is that I'll bring up is is if they know the questions they want to answer already then they can go add the instrumentation so they can answer those questions. Where I've seen value from data engineering or data science teams is helping me figure out what questions I want to answer. There are two approaches there, right? It, like you're far from a data science uh, space right now. If, right. right. Maybe. I don't know. We have, well, in my current org, got a crap ton of data scientists because they do all the modeling and okay. prediction algorithms for our, for our our advertisement placements. All right, so that team should be approached. That team should be approached and say, "Hey, we want to do this broader. What's the unity gaps?" Cuz that team's going to understand where the pain points are. Yeah, for again, this is actually the team I'm this is the team asking about this, not a unity team. Um, oh. so making that connection isn't as easy, uh, uh, and it would be a little bit different. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, no, it's not a unity team that, that, that puts it into so, a different context. I, I have gotten, uh, questions before around, um, if you hire two people, you want to hire, um, you want to hire, um, number one, a business analyst who will, who's experienced in this and will, will go through first and foremost, what are the questions that the business is trying to answer? The second thing you need is a data engineering architect because um, the biggest slowdown in this space 
is cleaning the data and even discovering the data, putting something in place where that data can be curated up front without yep. turning it into a month. No, I feel, I, I've seen huge pain points from that when people have gone cra- crazy, where people have gone wild, uh, excessive with the data collection, with poor schemas in place, and just things are broken forever. They're broken forever, but then the the, the solution is not to go the other way either. Right, because I've also seen uh, people propose monthly, uh, multi milestone, uh, big design up front. Oh, we're going to, we're not even going to write the first line of code until we have, you know, figured out the entire perfect snowflake schema for the entirety of the company. And I'm like, okay, um, you know, ten years when you when you failed uh, to achieve that, circle back with me, because right? basically, then. It, where data science comes into play, you're right. There's two places for, for data science here. Number one is the simpler one, which is hypothesis testing it, it, or, or deductive reasoning. And in the earlier phases, that's the more, in the earlier phases of the company towards this, that's actually the one I would suggest doing. It's basically the intuitionists have a belief and you use deductive reasoning to, to prove or disprove it. It helps to get that moving forward. Then when that gets tiresome, because, you know, after every hundred hypotheses, only two, two become validated, then you want to go into inductive reasoning. We're using AI and ML to learn the patterns within the data and push them up so that someone can, can go, okay, is this interesting or uninteresting? Um, but it, it all starts on that, that journey starts on in my mind very clearly with the two bookends. How do we create a solid curation culture of the data and, and treat the data as if it's a product? That's, that's probably from my experience, that is probably the single hardest challenge is, is that the, the, the PM, the dev team, they'll have data, but they're not viewing that as a challenge. And so people are trending stuff or on trying to understand what happened here. And there's a lot of gaps and holes. And it's not from a dev point of view, it's like, look, I'm just sharing my diagnostic feed. If I don't, right, don't ask me to turn it into a product. And I'm like, no, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's great that you can you can use my data for other things, Brent, um, but it's not a product. And I'm like, uh, actually, it is now. There's a we need to wrap up. There's a, a meta point here, which is, uh, I think, you know, you and I both get this a lot. I'm sure a lot of the three do as well. Uh, people will ask you how to get started on something they've set up fundamentally wrong. In fact, this question is actually at the meta level is very similar to, Hey, I want to get into automation. What do you really want to do? I want to build a data team. What do you really want to do? And even then, and so the five whys is a fantastic tool here. Like, okay, great. You advance the data culture of the organization. Why does the business care? Yeah. And that's definitely a line of questioning I'll get into. Um, when I discuss this with these, these folks that asked me, I think they'll say, well, we want to improve our business. Why? How? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for helping with that. I need a little bit of framing on that. I think it's 
really just one of those coaching, consulting, asking a bunch of questions to get people to reflect on what they're really trying to do. Uh, but a little bit of context helps me out. All right. I am late for another meeting. I'm going to get going. But Brent, as usual, it's been good talking with you on our A-B testing podcast. And and you as well. I will talk to you and the three next time. Awesome. See ya.